Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Oh Lord, it's good to be in your house this morning. It's good to be together with brothers and sisters in Christ. It's good to feel rested and ready to worship. Ready to seek your face. Lord, we come as a corporate group realizing that there are some who aren't there this morning. Recognizing that some have had difficult and challenging weeks. And so we come alongside to encourage, to strengthen that weakness, to build each other up. There is a reason you designed it, our faith to be in community, because we need each other like we need you. There's a reason that relationship is so valued. Because as we look at this morning's word, we're reminded that we don't do this life alone. We can't do this on our own. We need each other. And so, Lord, I ask even now that you would strengthen us. Strengthen us as we follow this journey of faith. As we hear your word this morning, Lord, may it ring true in our lives. May we be reflective in the, in the part, Lord, that, that talks about the areas of our lives that needs to change. We may not hear that exactly in the Scripture, but you place that in our hearts. Hence the reason we have a spirit that leads and guides in, uh, our thoughts and helps us to make those decisions. There will be something this morning that rings true. My sense is there'll be something this morning that feels really hard. These scriptures are hard because they hit us between the eyes. And we recognize that we don't really want that. And we don't really like that. And it hurts to make those changes in our life. And yet they're being made so that we can grow. We can stretch and we can be closer to you, sanctified, as Scripture says. And so, Lord, I ask even now that you would open our eyes to that, that we would hear that part that's for us today, that illustration, that verse, that word in that verse. Open our eyes in that area, that we would leave differently than we came today. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to preface today's passage. I hope you had a chance to read it this week. But I want to preface today's passage by saying this. Be careful. Be careful as you listen to this passage that you don't put yourself in the strong position. See, because as we read this passage this morning, it's going to be very apparent that there's those who are strong and those who are weak. Be careful that you don't automatically step in to the position of strong. 
We'll talk some more about that. Let's read the scripture. Verse chapter 14 of Romans. Except the one whose faith is weak, without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak only eats vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord. For they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives, our, ourselves, lives for ourselves alone. And none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die... We die for the Lord. So whether you live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. May he add his blessing as we continue singing praise to him. Lord, thank you for paying the ransom for our lives. Thank you for making the most prolific change in the direction of where we were headed. Or may we live in the reflection of that, reminded that that our boat was headed in the wrong direction. And without your sacrifice, without that sacrifice of Jesus, We were doomed. Eternity awaited, but not in the positive end. The difference was was a vast difference. Thank you for changing our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It's all good, Veronica. It's your birthday. You can you can have green hair if you want. <laughs> so we're in installment number four of hard teachings. I'm really glad to see that people came back. So that means I didn't offend you all the way. Oh, maybe today, right? <laughs> 
been some difficult challenges, in the, I think, for me personally in some of these scriptures. Uh, you may remember the first week we talked about the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10. And so how he saw that there was, that he needed to make some changes. And that Jesus saw in his eyes that the only change that would make a difference was getting rid of the things that got in the way of his relationship with God himself. And that young rich ruler says, walked away sad. Remember that? And then the week after that, we talked about just happened to be uh, inauguration week. Wasn't really set up that way, but we talked about who listens to the government anyway. Right? And how our reflections reflect our faith. Good ways, good ones, and bad ones. And what Peter's saying in that passage in First Peter is, be careful because you have a faith and people are watching. Be careful how you're living your life. Live your life so that people know you're a believer, not because of what you say, but because of the way you act. And last week we talked about our freedoms. Do you remember? We talked about uh, knowledge versus love. And, and if we aren't careful, we can know all there is to know about things and not love people. That sometimes it could be our freedom, but it gets in the way. And I don't know about you, but that one was a bit hard. And I would love to tell you that this week's going to be really easy. How about that? This week's going to be really easy. My wife said on Monday, she said, this passage is just like last week's. I said, well, you need to read it another, another time because it's not just like last week's. This week's, this week's passage was, was in some ways like last week's, but in some other ways uh, very different. And I ask you to think about whether you were the strong or the weak for one reason. Because as believers in Christ, if we open the Bible, I think we automatically go to this point of uh, understanding that we must be the strong. Right? I opened my Bible. I read my Bible. So I got most of the people beat. So those, those people that don't open their Bible must be weak, and I must be strong. I know that's not any of you guys. That's just me. I'll, t- I'll take the... I got broad, my. I always said I got broad shoulders. I can handle it. But I, but I, as I read this passage, that was the first thing that stuck out to me. There's a division that Paul's saying: be careful, be careful, those of you who are strong, not to offend those who are weak. And then the second thought was: okay, be careful that maybe you aren't the weak. Right, And if we go another verse or two, it says, well, those who are eating meat are the strong. Those who don't eat meat are vegetarians or weak. That's, Paul's not using that as vegetarians are weak and meatitarians aren't. What he's using as an argument, as, as, as understanding that there are differences. And people who ate meat, again, remember like last week we talked about uh, meat offered to idols. People who ate meat... Um, did so to the Lord, and those who didn't, didn't, did that to the Lord. And so Paul's kind of just talking some more about that. But Christians, be careful. 
that you don't think you are the strong. Because I'll challenge you that you may be some of the weak. Let me give you an example. In our lives, we naturally point to people we think are uh, better than others, right? As you walked in this morning, you made judgments on, on other people as you walked in this door. Did anyone happen to see, and I don't know if you did, did anyone happen to see any people in like snowsuits all bundled up that might have smelled a little bit or looked a little bit odd for church this morning? Did anybody happen to see anybody walk through the door this morning? You didn't see? Okay, well, well. We have, we have a group of Boy Scouts who are sleeping out of Green Acres. They stayed overnight, and they're here till 10 this morning. And I, and I didn't tell them that church, I just said church was 8.30. I didn't say don't come around. But I thought it wouldn't be really cool if they would have come in because they were in snowsuits, and it was 20 degrees. So they slept outside last night, and I, I did hear them at like 6.30. Someone came to the bathroom this morning. Uh, and I was hoping someone would have ran into them because they were bundled up, and they were cold, and it was... It's cold outside. And I was hoping you would run into, someone would run into them. Because the first thing that would have crossed your mind if you'd run someone bundled up in an older snowsuit, kind of, they had an orange, like, hunting snowsuit. One guy had an orange hunting suit and a goofy-looking hat. And it was kind of dirty and grungy. And I thought the very first thing someone's going to see is, where did those people come from? And why are they here at our church, right? They come into it, right? Because we make those determinations and we make those judgments all the time. I guarantee you didn't pull into the driveway and walk in this door without making judgment about the way I dressed, my wife didn't dress me today, or the way uh, I look, I smell. I told, Brantley looked at me and he, he said, I smelled bad. Not really. I put cologne on today. He didn't. I'm just picking on him. I put cologne on today, so I smell good. We make those judgments, do we not? And we make them on a regular basis. We don't go anywhere without making those judgments. And we begin to put people in, uh, in a spot, one higher than another. Let me help you understand. Right? We quickly put someone who's a doctor in a higher position than we put someone who's a car mechanic. Do we not? Clean hands, dirty hands. Right? except that they're both working on internal parts. They both have a value. They both have a very, uh, one more uh, maybe mechanically inclined a bit than another. One educated in one way, one educated in another way. We choose those, like, um, have anybody ever done the lifeboat experiment? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Lifeboat experiment is, is this great thing. If you want to start a fight in a group and send people home, this is how you start. I, I, see, I'm teaching you guys all these good things, right? The lifeboat experiment is this. It, it takes eight or nine people, and you, you have a boat, and you can't have them all. So somebody's got to get thrown out of the boat. And, and they all have different values, good values and bad values. Like um, one was in jail, but it is now reformed. And, you know, there's just all these, one person has cancer, one person is this, one person is that. And the whole uh, idea is that a group of people has to figure out who is more valuable than others. And it starts arguments <laughs> because our value systems are different. And we choose one person who we think has more value, like, right? If we would keep a doctor 
over a car mechanic is kind of the idea. Would you do that? And there's a lot of other pieces to it. But we make those decisions all the time. And if you're, and if you're in academia, this idea that education is the end all and the, the be all, right? But I don't believe that that's scriptural. I just want to, I want to clear that up. I don't believe that God has created uh, people who are worth a lot more than other people. And, and rather, I think he sees it much differently. He sees that everyone has value. Here, let me give you another example. Uh, female gar- garbage collector. I know you already judged me for that, right? Or a, a high school football, uh, basketball coach. If you had to pick one, who are you picking? Right? Who, who are you going to pick? Which, which one is better than the other? They both have value, but as people and as Christians, we, we struggle to not put judgment or place a value of one, more on one than another. And it's hard for us. And Paul says, listen, quit looking at people that way. Quit looking at people and trying to decide whether they're better or worse by how they look or how they dress or uh, something that might come out of someone's mouth. And we're going to talk a lot about that at the end, but the reality is this. Paul ends up saying, you do you, right? You're responsible for you. You're the person who needs to figure out with God, me and God, if you're a country music listener, you might know that song. It's challenging not to choose one or the other. It's challenging not to choose to value somebody or something by what they drive or how much money is in their bank account or how they dress or what mask they wear or if they don't wear a mask. Or what political affiliation they have. There's all kinds of things we divide and judge over each other with. Or how they look. Or their body type. Or the words that come out of their mouth. Or the food they eat, Paul says. It's hard not to judge those things. And yet we're called, as Paul says, to look past those things. And so I want to challenge you this morning because I know that I've touched a nerve somewhere in this group. And I know I don't have it in order either, so that's a bad day. I better get in order. That's what happens. I want to challenge you that I think Paul gives us some ideas of how not to be so judgmental. See, I think some of that judgment comes, this is just a little psychology background from my perspective, but I think a lot of that judgment comes from our own insecurities. Let me help you understand that. As if you have kids and they grow up and those kids that you struggle the most with almost always are the kids who act exactly like you do. 
They act exactly like you do, and it makes you crazy because you don't like that in yourself. See, I see there's people smiling because I know. I know that's how it is, right? Well, (laughs) 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 our insecurities drive our judgments. Our insecurities are what gets in the way. And so we see those things we don't like in others because it's too hard for us to see it in ourselves. So rather than reflect and deal with God and the things that we need to deal with, we admonish those who we see that trait we don't like. We judge others for doing things that we do exactly the same as they do. And so Paul says, listen, there's some things we can do. There's some things you can do to begin to judge others less. And he's telling the Romans, the Roman church, listen, there's some things you can do. And first thing is to dig in. He says, one person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. So what he's saying is, well, some of you think that Sunday is more sacred. Some of you think that it's another day. Be fully convinced in your own mind, Paul says. He's not saying pick. He's not telling them to choose one side or the other. What he's telling them is decide for yourself with God. Be convinced in your own mind where God is leading that. I don't know about you, but I am so, so tired of lazy Christians who barely open this and just think the magic, the the information is going to fall on their head magically. They're asking for ways to do life differently and have the resources to do that and choose not to do it. Church, it's time for us to step up. I'd love to tell you that this is just a time and it's going to be fine. In another six months, everything will settle down and it'll all be glorious and we'll all have unicorns in our backyards and, right? and rainbows. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Warrior up. Get ready. Understand the faith. Seek God, because that's what you're going to need in the battle that is to come. The Christian faith isn't for the weak. It's time to step up. Weak people just blurt out something that crosses their mind. Never think twice about where it comes from or understand other people's ideals. We need to be mature Christians. We need to begin to be mature believers in the faith. How do we do that? We seek God daily. We ask continually. I hear so many people Tell me, well, I did. I asked God once and he didn't answer, so obviously he's not going to give me. Continue to ask 
those questions. Challenge God. Pray to God. Seek godly counsel. You know how many people here would sit down and talk to someone about a direction? That's why we're in community. There's a reason God set it up this way. Fast and pray. When's the last time you took time to fast and pray? You know, sometimes I feel like on that drum I beat every week. Just read your scripture. Sometimes I feel like, I know that was the point that was last week. And that was the point that was three weeks ago. And it was, yeah, because it's important. I had to tell myself that this morning because I was, I was making a judgment on my preaching. It's important. I'm way behind. Don't be lazy. That's to remind you not to be lazy. Oswald Chambers said, said, spiritual maturity is not reached by the passing of years, but the obedience to the will of God. It's not how long you've been a Christian that automatically, it's not about seniority in the Christian faith. Church, we are living in a spiritual desert. Even in the church as a whole, we are living in a spiritual desert. To the point where some of us are illiterate in the faith. We know Jesus died for us, and that's good enough. It is good enough, but we're also called to maturity. We're not called to drink milk for the rest of our lives, as Paul puts it, but rather to eat meat, to dig in. And there's only some ways you're going to get that. By being intentional. Intentional about your faith walk. It's only going to get there in that way. Paul says, listen, your faith is important in community. If that hasn't been tried more than the last year, then in the, and for a long time, then it hasn't been. We know it's been tried. And we know that community is important. Why? Because we're all in this together. It's been tried in those who aren't able to be with us, and, and even in the group that we're, is together. It's been tried and challenged. We have to choose to be in community. That may be a hard teaching for some. But Scripture is really plain. Do you remember when the church started? Go back to Acts chapter 2. It started in a, in a certain way. Do you remember? They sold everything. And they moved into a commune. And we think that's a ridiculous idea. Right? You guys want to tell you what we're going to do. Who's with me? We're going to sell everything. Every, you got this week. Sell all your stuff and, and bring your money in a bag and we're all going to live on the compound. Right? First thing you're like, huh? Up at Green Acres, yeah. Right? Now you're thinking, uh-oh, left, eh, let's leave. <laughs> That's how the church started. 
Why? Because it was important. They needed that faith community. Because there were a lot of outside distractions, a lot of things that were going to get in the way. It's why we feel some dirty, some, some not as healthy when we don't gather together as a group. I don't know about you, but that's how I feel. I feel like I missed something, that something very important in my life was missed that week. So much so that I've had to change some things in my life. I used to go, years ago, I would go archery hunting and miss one Sunday. This was before I was the pastor, so I didn't have to. I know how that works on your side, guys. I get it. You don't have to come to church every week. I get it. I have to come to church every week. I missed a Sunday for archery season because I was at camp. The next week was bear season, so I missed that week. And by the third week, I'm coming back, and I'm thinking, something's really wrong in my life. And I got to the point where I had to get rid of bear season because I realized that I need this community. You need this community. My challenge for all of us, for each of us, is to realize how important this community is. To not take it for granted. First Peter says, be controlled and alert. The enemy, your devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. You want to know how to do How, how do lions uh, prowl around? How do they get prey? How do they hunt? They sneak around. They separate one from the rest, do they not? They find a weak one. They find one all by itself, right? Because it's too hard to get the whole group. Church challenges to get the group back together. And I am challenged as a pastor to help make that happen. And yes, this is a hard teaching. For those who haven't come back, this is really challenging, and I understand that. But the challenge that I have for you, for all of us, is to begin to get back to uh, doing things together. Being together. You should have a small group. There should be someone else in your life that you're doing life with. And that doesn't always mean it's someone who sleeps in the bed next to you. Yeah, they're doing life with you, but, but some of us are at home, married, and super alone. We need our faith community. We need to do life together. That needs to continue. We need to get back to that. It may be hard and it may be scary, but we need to continue to work in that direction. In the midst of that, we don't pass judgment, but the reality is we do work towards that. Acts chapter 2.42, that's the... That's the, where the church starts. This is what they did together. They had teaching, the apostles' teaching. They had fellowship. They broke bread. And they prayed together. If you don't have accountability, someone who you can call, you should be talking to someone at least once or twice a week 
about your faith. Someone you trust, someone you care about, whether that's in your small group slash Sunday school, whether that's in uh, via phone call, via Zoom, whatever it is. You need those people in your life. You need people who understand who you are and understand your strengths and understand your weakness. Don't minimize that because of the environment that we're in. It's still important. We're beginning to see, and I think there will be a lot of repercussions, but we're beginning to see some of the struggles that have come from COVID in that way. Lonely people. People who have given up hope because their only hope were those they were connected with and that all got disintegrated. Let me encourage you to reach out. To stretch yourself. To challenge yourself to reach out to someone in the faith. And do life together. See, sometimes I think we minimize, well, we, I can, it's not safe. Well, this is not safe. As hard as that may be to hear, failure to th thrive is no better than COVID. It's no less dangerous. It's been the challenge from the very beginning as a church to try to help us understand people's mental health. Trying to sort that out. Don't minimize the fact that people are hurting because of the inability to be together. I was telling someone this morning, I did a visit two weeks ago through the door. We opened the door two inches, and the person who was on the inside, I was on the outside. And I jokingly told this lady, listen, it's winter, it's cold, and I'm not staying for an hour. But I'll come visit you through the door for 15 or 20 minutes. And we had a good discussion. Now, it wasn't as long as we might have liked. It wasn't uh, as in-depth as it normally would be. And yet we were able to connect. All because she was willing to give it a chance, right? It doesn't sound normal. Talking through the windows harder. Please, 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 please. Don't give up on those things. We have an opportunity. I, I think one of two things is going to happen to the church moving forward, right? We're going to lose a third to a half of our people because they now figure that it's just easier to stay home. Or we're going to dig in and be stronger from this. Time will tell. I don't know where it'll land. But I know this, we have a job to do. And our job is to continue to work in community. God set it up that way for a reason. Finally, he says in uh, verse 12, each of you will give account of yourselves to God. Don't pass judgment. Oh, by the way, you know what makes not passing judgment a whole lot easier? Spending time with other people. You want me to give you an example? 
When, remember when you used to get your mom put you in the corner with your sister or brother and you had to touch noses and be in the corner together and hold hands, right? It was a whole lot harder to fight with that person when you're one inch away from nose to nose. Spending time together helps us understand the other perspective and it does help us to be less judgmental. Why? Because at the end of the day, we are going to give an account to God for us. You do you. Right? Take care of the stuff that you need to deal with. Take care of the stuff that you and God need to work on. Worry less about those who are doing something different than you and worry about you and God. Because I guarantee you this, we all have things we need to work on. We all have things that we don't like. We all have things that are sinful in our lives. And again, it's way easier to see someone else's sin than it is to fix mine. First Corinthians 16, 14 says, do everything in love. Do everything in love. That's been one of the more amazing parts of this hard teachings passages. I didn't pick these passages because they all talked about love. But at the end of the day, what I recognized in every passage was that there's an element of love involved. That loving others means we will do a better job not judging them. See, because there was an Old Testament plan, right? Do you guys know what the Old Testament plan to take care of those judgments, those failures on our part? It was this. Try your best. Fail. Offer sacrifice. Repeat. Try your best. You will fail. Offer some sacrifice. Go back home and repeat. Right? That was the old way. That was the plan. That was, that was what happened. We would do our best. Try to follow all the rules. The Jews tried to follow all those rules. Failed miserably, offered sacrifice, and then they would go home and do it again. Hebrews 11.39 reminds us that God set up a plan that was better. His plan was a little bit better. No, wait, a lot of bit better. See, because that old way was religion. And the new way was relationship. See, verse 40 of Hebrews 11 says, God planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. God realized that there was only one way to fix this problem. And that was sending his son Jesus to be together with us to be in relationship that's the only fix there was that would make any difference and still today makes a difference my challenge to you is do you have that relationship with jesus because otherwise you're just spinning your wheels if you don't have that relationship with him it doesn't begin there it's going nowhere A relationship with Jesus 
makes all the difference. It gets us on the road pointing in the right direction. So that when we do make an account for ourselves to God, we can say, yep, I'm messed up. I have problems. I got, I got issues. But Jesus will stand in my path. He stands there for me. Yup, I got problems. But Jesus took those. And he stands in my He stands in my way. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for standing in our path. Lord, for taking our sin, our struggles, and our trials. And as Scripture says, removing them as far as the east is from the west. Seems to be that maybe the biggest issue is our pride. Our pride that we could do it on our own. We could figure it out without any other help. We know better than anyone else about us. The fact of the matter is, you know us better than anyone else. Lord God, I pray this morning for this group and for those who are online and Lord, for anyone who doesn't have a relationship with you, hasn't felt the love that you offer. Maybe up until today, it's, until this moment, it's been just rules. If I follow enough rules, I'll be okay. If I give enough money, I'll be okay. If I give enough time, I'll be okay. If the scale at least is I'm better than I am, I'm good more than I'm bad, that it'll be okay. The scripture is plain. It says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is only one way, one path, one plan, and that's Jesus Christ the blood of Jesus for our sins. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.